Well, good morning again. So several weeks ago, someone sent me a link to a, a, a YouTube video and I looked it up and it was so good. It's the video of this father and he's tucking his kids into bed. And as he's tucking them in, they said, would you tell us a story? And they want a very specific story. They wanted the story, the story about the virus. And the father pulled out a book called The Great Realization, spelled with an S instead of a Z. And he began to read. The story, he told, described this world like our world in 2019 that was very much on demand. And families were more tuned into their devices than they were tuned into one another. Here's a line from the story that he told. And the children's eyes grew squarer and every toddler had a phone. They filtered out the imperfections, but amidst the noise, they felt alone. The story then goes on to describe this world where people are growing further and further apart. And it describes an age where people aren't caring for God's creation the way that God intended. And then the story took an unexpected turn. But then in 2020, a new virus came our way. The governments reacted and told us all to hide away. But while we were hidden amidst all the fear and all the while, people dusted off their instincts. They remembered how to smile. The story did a great job of pointing out how people learned lessons back then in 2020. Lessons that would have never been learned otherwise. Here's how the story ends. And so when we found a cure and were allowed to go outside, we all preferred the world we'd found to the one we've left behind. Well, when the father closed the book and his kids asked this question then when he did close the book, they said, why did it take a virus to bring people back together? And the father answered, sometimes you have to get sick, my boy, before you start feeling better. And then the video closed with this. We now call it the great realization. And yes, since, there, there have been, since then there have been many, but that's the story of how it started and why hindsight's 2020. This series that we've been in, the series that wraps up today, this is all about learning from this event that we're experiencing, learning from this moment, and establishing a new normal that is more aligned with the teachings of Jesus of Nazareth and his life. If you're taking notes, I invite you to write this down. The world needs more Jesus. Can I get an amen? Oh, this week, this week has certainly been a reminder of that. Humanity is really, really good at losing our way. That was true in 2019 and every year that led up to it. This will be true in 2021 and every year that follows. Jesus was an ambassador of a different kingdom one that will not be shaken. And on this Sunday, this Pentecost Sunday, a day when we commemorate, commemorate the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ on his church, like tongues of fire, let's recommit ourselves this Pentecost Sunday to passing the torch to the next generation. This morning, we're gonna open up to 2 Timothy. This section of the Bible is a real first century letter written by a follower of Jesus named Paul to a young man named Timothy that he was mentoring in the faith. This isn't just Paul's last known letter to Timothy. This is Paul's last known letter, period. It's clear that both in the, the words and in the tone of this letter, that things are not going well for Paul. 
He's writing from a Roman prison. He's, aban- he's been abandoned by nearly everyone. And he seems to know that he doesn't have much time left. Second Timothy, it's also a very personal letter. Paul wants to connect in person with Timothy one more time. Well, if you have your Bible with you, please open with me to 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God according to the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience. I remember, as I remember you constantly in my, what? In my prayers, night and day. Let's talk about that a little bit. If you're serious about passing the torch, pray. Pray constantly. Pray night and day. Do you think there might be a connection? between how many young people are walking away from the faith and how few adults are praying constantly day and night for them. All right, let's be a church that prays for our young people. All right, verse four says this, as I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. Let's talk about that. Paul doesn't just pray for Timothy, at a distance, he, he is personally involved in Timothy's life. Timothy wasn't just a face in the crowd. Timothy was known by Paul. And let's continue to be a church where our young people are known by name and by who they are, where they're not just a face in the crowd. All right, let's continue on. Verse five. All right, this one's gonna be kind of fun here. Verse five. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. All right, when I was reading this part, a specific name came to mind. And if you've been around a church for a while, that name's gonna be kind of familiar to some of you. Uh, The kid's name is Brady, Brady. Some of you might remember Brady and his sister Kada from this clip that we showed some time ago. Brady is already tracking towards Timothy-ness. I remember hearing a story about how Brady was in a car once and and as he's in the car and all these houses are going by, he looks out and he says to his, his mom, he says, Mom, do all those people know Jesus? And she says, no, honey, I don't think they all do. And he paused for a minute and then he said, well, when I get older, I want to be a prophet so I can tell those people about Jesus. That's our Brady. Well, one of the reasons that Brady comes to mind when I read this passage is that I also know his mom. I also know his mom and her faith. I've known Emily since she was a seventh grader back at the church where I used to be a youth pastor. And one of my favorite um, Emily moments was when we were on a short-term mission trip and we're getting towards the end of the trip and we're, we're up on top of this orphanage one night and we were talking about the whole experience. And I remember Emily with just with passion saying, when we go back, let's not go back to normal. Let's not do that. Brady's faith can be traced back even further than his mother. Brady's grandmother, Joyce and I, we served together at that same church where I was a youth pastor. 
Joyce now has a condition, she's had it for quite some time, where she's not able to walk, she's not able to talk, or even leave her room. And not long after we were, all of us were instructed, we all need to shelter in place, Joyce sent me this text, and I asked um, her permission to be able to share this with you. She said, hi, Chris. I feel prompted to tell you this. I've been quarantined for three years. I'm, not, I'm used to not going to church, stores, work, family gatherings, out to eat or to friends' houses. There is something wonderful in relying on Jesus. He is my comforter, protector, healer, entertainer, and constant companion. I still struggle with isolation and envy, but my brief reliance on Jesus makes up for the negatives with hope, Joyce. This is real faith. This is the faith that Joyce had. This is the faith that was passed on to her daughter, Emily. This is the faith that was passed on to Brady. Now, Brady also is blessed with a father and with two grandfathers who also know and love Christ. But that wasn't the case for Timothy. If we cross-reference 2 Timothy 1 with Acts chapter 16, we get a more complete picture of Timothy's story. Acts 16.1 mentions Timothy's mother was a woman of faith, but dad wasn't a believer. And Paul became this spiritual father figure for Timothy. Like Jesus, Paul was single. He didn't have kids of his own. But like Jesus, Paul understood the importance of coming alongside families and investing in the next generation. And so many of you are doing the same. You are investing in kids who aren't your own kids. Thank you, thank you, thank you. God bless you. All right, verses six through seven say this. For this reason, I remind you, Timothy, fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the power and laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Paul reminds Timothy to embrace his calling and to fan faith's flames. The passage also mentions the laying on of hands. And were it not for COVID, we would have done that on May 17th. We were going to have a confirmation Sunday, which is something I'm excited to be able to to have when we're able to have it together, where we have our young people, all the young people who've made a a decision to follow Jesus over the course of of the year, where we can come and, uh, and, and lay hands on those folks and pray for them and affirm that faith that is now their own. All right, well, Paul says what he says there, and then he says this about the real personal faith that Timothy had received. This is 2 Timothy chapter 2 now, verse 2. What you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. That's how the torch is passed. We pass the faith that was passed on to us to others. Okay, but how exactly do we do that? I invite you to write this down. Authentic faith is both caught and taught. Both of those things. Let's begin with caught because without the caught, your teaching is in vain. Before COVID, it was a whole lot easier for parents to outsource spiritual training. And parents, I cannot stress this enough. Use this season to reclaim your God-given role as the primary spiritual influence in your child's life. Right after Palm Sunday, I received an email from a mom, 
named Allie, and she shared this story. She said, cool thing from this morning, Graham, he's six, was playing with dinosaurs and Legos on the floor while we had church going on the TV. As you talked about a mother hen and the protection under her wings, Graham chimed in, hey mom, you have that on your wall. And sure enough, we have Psalm 91.4 hanging in our bedroom. He will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you'll find refuge. I don't think we ever talked about it, but he was what? Listening and made that connection. Do you see how all that worked together? Kids are picking up on things all the time. Let's be deliberate about what our kids overhear. And, 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 let's be deliberate with the example that we set. If you have kids, after you're done with the kids' church activities, I strongly want to encourage you to do this. To say, okay, kids, now it's mom and dad's time. It's time for us to go learn. It's time for us to go and grow. So why don't you take your Legos and your dinosaurs and you pay quietly because now mom and dad are going to learn too. And for you, for them to see you, for them to see you sitting down, focused, all distractions put away, Bible open, that is worth 10,000 sermons from strangers. Can I get an amen? All right, well, let's write this down too. Caught lays the foundation for taught. If you say one thing and you do something else, it invalidates your words. And if, and you don't want, and you don't want your words invalidated because the teach part matters too. Let me show you something I never noticed before. Here's a quote that I've seen dozens of times by Martin Luther. Where the battle rages, there the loyalty of the soldier is proved. Now on the surface, that sounds an awful lot like a caught quote, doesn't it? In fact, I was going to use it as a caught quote for this lesson. But then I looked it up. And in context, it leads like a taught quote. Here it is in context. Look at this for yourself. If I profess with loudest voice and clearest exposition every portion of the truth of God, except that little point which the world and the devil are at that moment attacking, I am not confessing Christ. However boldly that I may be professing Christ, where the battle rages, there the loyalty of the soldier is proved. And to be steady on all the battlefield besides is mere flight and disgrace if he flinches at that point. All right, out of context, that quote seems to be about having courage in the moment of testing. But in context, that quote appears to be stressing the importance of being able to accurately speak to the issues of the day. And we've got some big issues of late, don't we? Issues like, why would a good God allow this virus? Questions like, when should God's people practice civil disobedience? Questions like, how should we respond to the tragic death of George Floyd? Representing Christ well in the issues of our day, it was a big, big deal for Paul. And he believed that sound doctrine was grounded in the Holy Scriptures. In chapter 3, Paul writes that Scripture is God-breathed, all of it. 
And scripture is useful for teaching and challenging and correcting and equipping God's people for good works. All right, well, a few verses later, Paul writes this, chapter four, verses three through four. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. Do people do anything like this today? Brothers and sisters, let's go back to the word. Let's read it. Let's reflect on it. Let's discuss it. Let's anchor to it and let's teach it to the next generation. If they don't learn the Lord's Prayer from us, where are they going to learn it? If they don't learn Psalm 23 from us, where are they going to learn it? As a church family, we made the difficult decision to stop using a popular kids' curriculum that is really fun, is really engaging, and it's really slick. But it was drifting further and further away from Scripture. We believe in drawing the best from the best of the old and the new. But the best of the old and the new is only best if it's anchored in Scripture. What we teach matters. But remember, remember, teaching and taught must work in tandem with caught. All right, let's open up to 2 Timothy one last time. This is 2 Timothy chapter 3, and we're looking at verse 10. You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness. Do you see how all this works? It all works together. They see something real in us, something worth grabbing hold of, and we pass it on to them. It's kind of like this. I brought along this great big flashlight. Now we can talk all we want about how, oh, flashlights are great. They can help you see. We can talk all we want about how a flashlight can help you bring light to a dark world. But what if they never see us using it? What if we're all talking, flashlight just sits there? Or what happens if we talk about how great flashlights are and then when we actually shine it, what we've got is a pretty dim flashlight. The batteries don't work. It doesn't light the way. If that's the case, and we actually take this flashlight and we say, here you go, I'm handing it off to you. Why would they even want to take it? Why would they even want it? As we bring this series to a close, here's my challenge for you and my challenge for all of us. When the virus hit and we were told to shelter in place, the church buildings in my neighborhood, they all closed. Our local liquor store, that was deemed essential. Now, I suppose you can make a case that we should be outraged by that. But to me, it's less about outrage. It is much more about a wake-up call. If you've been taking notes, here's one last thing to write down. 
let's pass along a faith that the next generation deems essential. Let's pass along something that when they see it, they see that the difference it's making us, they see the difference it's making in the world, and they say, that is something that I want. As we begin to emerge from our homes and rebuild our lives, let's rebuild them around the life and teaching of Jesus. Let's become ambassadors for that kingdom that can't be shaken. Let's become temples for his spirit. One that brings peace and joy and guidance into our lives. Let's rediscover God-honoring rhythms that restore and refresh our bodies and minds and souls. Let's recommit to developing and strengthening real live connections with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Let's live with a renewed sense of passion and purpose and mission as we serve one another, as we reach out to a broken world. Let's embody something worth passing on, something that is going to inspire the next generation to pick up this torch and to pass it on to those who come after them. May we look back on 2020 as the year that each of us recommitted to building our lives, our entire lives, around the life and the teachings of Jesus Christ. Well, before this series ends with this song, a song that we open the series with, let's offer ourselves and let's offer our gifts. In the Bible, Sunday, it's the first day of the week. And most weeks, what we're going to do going forward is we're going to pause and we're going to offer God our first and our best as we start the week. One of the reasons, one of the many reasons that Laura and I feel great about tithing to this church is the way that these tithes and offerings are invested. And when it comes to young people, we get an up-close look at the difference that's making in these young lives. A whole lot. Maybe you've been reading these articles too or watching the videos. There's a whole lot of really wise people who are really concerned for kids this summer. You know, they, they say they're afraid that the... the, the um, impact it's going to have on our young people. Kids need to get out of the house. Kids need to spend time with other kids. Kids need to be experiencing things beyond these screens. They need to interact with other people their age. With so much shut down for the summer, there's a whole lot of professionals who are really concerned about how this is going to affect kids and teens. Well, did you know that 12 out of the 19 people on our staff work directly with young people? This summer, we're going to figure out how do we offer a great Camp ECC experience for our kids. This summer, we're going to figure out how do we offer great opportunities for our teens. This summer, in fact, just in a couple weeks, I'm meeting with our, our youth staff and our kids staff, and we're going to be talking about the future and how do we do it great job of really discipling these people, these young people and passing the torch to them. And get this, this is brand new. Covenant Pines just let us know that this fall, if it's safe, we're going to be able to expand our fall retreat and not just bring up our middle schoolers, but our middle schoolers and our preteeners, which means we're going to need a lot of you high schoolers to come and help us out. For all of you who give your time and your gifts, thank you for your partnership in this. With that, let's pray and I'd invite you to pray this prayer with me. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, maker of all things. 
Through your goodness, you have blessed us with these gifts. With them, we offer ourselves to your service and dedicate our lives to the care and redemption of all that you have made. For the sake of him who gave himself for us, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.